Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about a a group of people, all right? And if you were to, like, look at my physical appearance, you would clearly see that I know a lot about this group of people. I mean, you could tell that I am a highly trained person. Uh, I'm in the best uh, peak physical condition. My arms are huge. I work out all the time. Uh, See, it's not even a joke yet. Why are you laughing at my arm? Ouch. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. So uh, clearly I'm joking. I mean, let's just say if God would have not called me to be a pastor, to be in, sit in an office, to, to have these super soft hands, you know, uh, hang out with some youth, maybe eat some pizza uh, every now and then, he would have for sure called me to serve with these people. No, I'm, I'm just joking um, because I am talking about the Navy SEALs, all right? So <laughs> I'm not, uh, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't last 10 minutes with those uh, uh, people and I, I have a lot of respect for all of the mer- military, and there's no way that I'm, I'm so thankful God called me to have soft hands. All right, <laughs> you can film later. It's all right. All right, but lately I have actually been reading a lot about the Navy SEALs. The Navy SEALs are an elite arm of the military. They are very, very disciplined people, and they wor- work very, very hard at what they do. They're great leaders. Uh, they're, they're the very best at what they are called to do, all right? But to get to that point, uh, the point of being elite, the, the best, the greatest, they have to go through some pretty rigorous training, all right? And when I say rigorous training, I mean some of the hardest training that I've ever like, read about, heard about, or anything like that, they have to go through. In fact, during part of their training, most of you guys know this, um, they have to go through what is known as Hell Week. And they are to, they're there to be pushed for six days straight um, to their limits. They're put through some of the hardest things that anybody will ever go through um, besides like actual war. During this training, they will be pushed to their limits both physically and mentally. Through some, of, uh, through some of the stories that I have read, these people are cold, wet, tired, hungry, uh, and crazy stuff happens for this whole week that they are in there. And all this is happening while they're being yelled at, whistles are being blown. Uh, I don't know all the other stuff that goes on during this time. Uh, we'll have to ask Austin uh, Trabing about this. But uh, all this stuff is going on, and, and people are yelling at them, and... and all, all while this is going on, there is this thing sitting right in the middle of their training ground, all right? Uh, there is a bell, kind of like this one, not exactly like this one. This one is actually um, from the fire department, and they were nice enough to let me use it for today. But um, they have this bell that is just sitting out there, and this bell, uh, during all the training, is just sitting out there. And in my mind, I picture this bell just sitting there and yelling at the people that they have to stop as they're training. This bell is just saying, stop. You got to quit. You have to give up. Don't go any further. Now, if they start this program and want to be out, uh, I think most of you know what they have to do. They voluntarily, they have to go to the bell, and if you're not awake, you will be after this. They have to ring it. 
three times. They have to voluntarily get up in front of everybody, go to that bell, and ring it three times to be done, to quit, to say, I am out of here. This program is so difficult and pushes people to their limits so hard that only about 20% of any given class makes it through the program. I can't even remember, I think it's somewhere around 40% of people quit the very first day um, because this program is so difficult. But for the people who do make it through and who don't ring the bell, they are some of the greatest military people out there. The people who make it through this program are also some of the most bonded people ever. They are bonded through the struggle that, that they had to go through. They are bonded by the fact that they did not go to that bell that, that stares at them day in and day out. They are also bonded by how they look after each other. I've been reading a, a book called Killing Kryptonite by John Bevere. Now, in this book, he goes, uh, he goes to one of his Navy SEAL friends and asks him, how do the Navy SEALs become such a tight-knit community? How do they become such a bonded brotherhood? All right? And the very first thing this man said to John was, the last person a SEAL thinks of is himself. Then he goes on to say, we value our brother next to us more than ourselves. We never have to cover our backs because we know our SEAL brother will do it. They're always there for us. As a SEAL, everything I do is for the sake of my brother next to me. Then he goes on to say, the mindset going into battle, and I, I love this, the mindset going in, into battle is it, it's never, some of us are going into battle and only some of us are going to come out. 100% of us are going to go in, but only 20% might come out. Only, only 50% might come out. They don't, they don't ever have that mindset. Their mindset is 100% of us are going into this battle and 100% of us are coming out. We are there for each other. We are going to make this happen. And after I read that, God just started putting questions in my spirit. Questions like, what if the church acted this way? What, what if the church had the mindset of, I've got your back? What if the church had the mindset of, let's do everything in our power to help people, to help other Christians, to help people not go to that bell and not ring out and walk away from Christ? What if we had that mindset so my question to you today is, what are you doing to make sure your brothers and sisters in Christ don't ever ring this bell? They don't ever tap out. They don't ever quit. Do you have the backs of your brothers and sisters in Christ? Because we do live in this world that says, you know what? I will take care of myself. I'll take care of me and my own, and I'll be fine. Then after I know that I'm good and I'm safe, then maybe... If I like you, if I have time, if I'm not tired, I, I will come and help you. That's the world that we live in. But that is not how the Bible says we should act, especially towards brothers and sisters in Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so, to, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then if you read on a little further, there's a whole, you should go back and read all of, 
uh, 1 Corinthians 12, I'm not gonna, it talks about what if the body, uh, the, the ear says, I want to be a foot. It's, just, it's, it's a good descriptive passage. Everybody should go back and read it. But we drop down to verses 24 through 27, and it says, While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked, so that there should be no division in the body. No division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. If you have asked Jesus into your heart and into your life, then you are a part of this body. We are a part of this brotherhood, of this sisterhood, of this community. And as a part of this body, we need to be there for one another. There's no room inside the body for division. There's no room inside the body uh, to fight with one another. Uh, We need to have the mentality like the Navy SEALs of, we're in this together. I have your back, you have my back. We need to take on that mentality. And why is that? It's because we have each other's back. 100% of us are in this together. And 100% of us are going to stay in this together. We should never have this, well, 100% over here, but I could live without seeing them again. <laughs> you know, we shouldn't have that mentality. It should be this mentality of we are 100% of in this and everybody is going together. That only happens when the body of Christ, Christ acts like the body of Christ. We have responsibilities. We have things to do so this happens. When the body of Christ stands up and takes on this attitude of I've got your back, then we will have this community, this brotherhood, this sisterhood, just like the Navy SEALs, that, that can never be broken. I believe the first way in which we can, we can get this attitude of I've got your back is through uh, the first point, which I'm calling cover and move. Again, I've been reading a lot of Navy SEAL stuff lately, all right? So cover and move. Let me explain what I mean by cover and move. Uh, I'm reading uh, Extreme Ownership right now, uh, ship, and it's Uh, written by two former Navy SEALs that fought together in Iraq. Um, It's a leadership book. It's really, really good. But uh, one of the stories that that they tell is how they were in this city, and one of them was leading a team, and somebody else was leading another team. So there was these two teams, and they had to go into this city. And they both went into the city, and they had to... um, do this mission, all right? And while they're there, um, they're at different areas in this city, and they complete their mission. Things went good. Um, they, they, it was a success. This mission was a success. What they were supposed to do is while they were there, um, they had to wait till nightfall um, because they wanted that cover before they could go back to the base, all right? Well, for some reason, for something that happened inside this, this mission, the one team is like, I need to get back right now. We can't wait. It's going to get really gnarly. It's going to be pretty bad. So we need to get back now. So they, what they did, this whole team devised a plan in order to get out of where they were at. And how they were going to do it was the cover and move. A couple of the guys would cover while the other team part, while the other part moved. And then once they got to a spot, they would cover and, that, and so on and so forth until they got all the way back. Again, Success Under heavy gunfire, they said, they make this happen. And they get back to the base, this one team does. And as, right when they get back, the chief comes up to the guy and just yells at him. Just reams him out. What are you doing? How, how, how crazy can you be? Why? And he's like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> we're back. 
under extreme fire, under extreme conditions. I got my whole team back. We're safe. Why? I don't understand why you were mad. And the whole reason the chief was mad, though, was because, yes, he did a great job of getting his team back, but he left the other team out there. They forgot about a whole other team. And he didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't like that. It just, he left a whole other team out there. And if they would have worked together, then not just one team would have made it, but two teams would have made it back safe and fine and great because they could have all had each other's back. Our job is having each other's backs is never leaving people out there to fend for themselves. If we truly have three through four says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. I love the Bible, man. These scriptures, as I was reading these scriptures, I was like, oh man, it's so simple. Like, it's right there. You guys don't need a whole sermon to say, go have your brothers and sisters' backs. But yet, we need a sermon to say, hey, we need to have each other's backs. Don't do things out of your own selfish ambition, but let's hold others above ourselves. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Again, we live in this world that is very much, how can I get ahead? Who do I need to step on while I'm making my way to the top? This world that says, I'm going to look out for me and my family and my surroundings first. But the way Jesus tells us to live is totally counterculture to what the world says. The world says, take care of yourself, then go and help others. But Jesus Jesus' way is much like this cover and move way, like the chief said uh, should be done. If, if we were to t- take a look at the armor of God in Ephesians 6, we see something about each article uh, of the arm- armor of God. We have the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the helmet, the sword, the shield. We have all that. All of that armor is forward-facing armor. They are to, to protect the front of the, the soldiers' bodies. Why is there nothing covering the back? Well, I believe it's, it's because God intended for each one of us to do what I'm talking about today and have each other's back. Yeah, God has our backs, but let's, let's help each other out. Let's be the body of Christ. We need to do what the Scripture says in Philippians says to do, and that's first look to the interest of others and then ourselves. Encourage others, lift up others, be there for one another. Then think of yourself. If we truly don't want to see people to go over to that bell and ring, ring it and quit and clock out and be done with this thing that we call Jesus, then we have a job to do. We need to practice this cover and move action. We need to get this mentality like the seals have, the mentality that I've got your back above and beyond uh, me just surviving. We need to stop being selfish and help our brothers and sisters in Christ. Cover and move. Very simple, first way. The second way that we can get this attitude of I've got your back is by honoring leadership. In the Navy SEALs, there is a chain of command, and with each level, there is honor and respect. It goes from all the way from Master Chief Petty Officer all the way to an apprentice. And there are different levels in between that top tier and the bottom tier. 
And with each level, this level, the soldier knows who is above them and how they need to honor and respect and submit to, to who is over them. Now, something that I believe God has called me to do, even more than, than a youth pastor, uh, is to be an armor bearer to my leader, who is Pastor Barry. He didn't know I was saying this, so <laughs> I'm not reaping any benefits from this, but I believe that is my number one calling, is to be that guy's armor bearer. What does that mean? That means that I am there for him. I will, I will do almost anything for that guy. I will not sin <laughs> for him, all right? But I would do almost anything for him if it meant that it was going to help his ministry out. I would mow his lawn if he asked me to. I would, nobody carries briefcases anymore, so I don't have, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, God put him there in that position as a leader, and it's my job to be his armor bearer. I'm there. I'm going to war with him. He doesn't have to go by himself. I have his back no matter what, um, and, and, and in prayer, in, in whatever. You guys get the point. I am his armor bearer. And that's something God has called me to do. And it, honestly, he has called all of us to be that armor bearer for leadership. All right? Armor bearers are loyal. They are, they are there to help the leader out. They are there to see that the mission that God has given to the leader is followed through until completion. I just want to point something out. I almost started to cry there, but I didn't. All right? So that's, just, that's a win for me. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, you guys. Do I need to ring the bell again? Make sure you're all awake. I'm not going to because <laughs> it's a bad analogy right now. So <laughs> the armor bearer, uh, the armor's bearer role uh, holds so much respect and honor for that leader who God has put in place. In the Bible, armor bearers were willing to put their dreams, their goals on hold in order to see their leader's dreams and goals fulfilled. They would go into battle with their commander and he would help, he, they would help uh, by supplying the leader with weapons and really whatever that, needed, that leader needed, that armor bearer was there for him. And, and they weren't leaving that, their side even if they had to go into a, a, a really bad battle. That armor bearer was there for the leader. Oftentimes, the armor bearer was right beside his commander, even when the commander died. In, 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 in 1 Samuel 31.4, you see that Saul's armor bearer went into battle with Saul. And when Saul died, that armor bearer died right alongside of him. I mean, that's loyalty, all right? God has put people in leadership and people over us. It's our job to have their backs and not to burden them, but help see the vision and their dreams that God has given them fulfilled. Even if that means we have to wait for our dreams and our visions to be fulfilled. Even if that means that, okay, I have a dream, I have a vision that God has given to me, I'm going to put it right here so I can see my leadership and my leaders and his dreams or her dreams fulfilled. And you know what I recognize through that is as we do that, our dreams and our visions are fulfilled. God doesn't forget about us. Through being an armor bearer, he, he blesses you just as much. It's our job to have their backs. We can see that to be true in the story of King David and Absalom, his son. 1 Samuel 24, 3 says, He came to, to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went to relieve himself. The Bible's cool, I'm telling you. Gave a, gave a good detail right there. He's going to the bathroom. David and, <laughs> thanks guys. David and his men were far back in the cave. 
The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. Let me just tell you what is going on here to put some uh, perspective on the story. Here, David is already anointed king. He knows he's going to be a king. He is a man after God's own heart. Um, he has that responsibility already on him that he knows he is going to be king. Saul has started to go a little bit crazy here. And in fact, he's already tried to kill David. All right, so that's, that's the leader right there that, that um, David is supposed to follow, the one that's crazy and trying to kill him. So David, because he was getting, gonna, feared for his life, had to run uh, and hide and, and get away from Saul in order to not die. Then all of a sudden, Saul, who is still king, ends up in the same exact cave as David and his men, all because he needed to use the bathroom. This looks uh, like a time where David could just go up to Saul and kill him and said, hey, I, I could kill him, and I could be king, which I'm already anointed. Uh, I, this looks like God working here, but it wasn't. David knows that, that this is not the time that Saul was, uh, was not to be killed yet. David knew it wasn't that time. He still honored Saul and had his back at this time uh, enough to not kill him. He still honored the Lord enough to obey the Lord. Even though everything pointed to David uh, that, that he should kill Saul, David chose to have Saul's back at this time. And because of that, I believe David got promoted at the right time in the right place. We have to remember we can't take this stuff into our hand, own hands. God has the time and he has the place. And sometimes it takes us obeying him and not overstepping. Even though we know that maybe we can do the job better. David knows that he could have done the job better there. But it wasn't his turn. He needed to wait. Now, if we jump to Absalom, who is David's son, we see a different story and a different outcome. Here again, Absalom is anointed king, but David is still alive and David is still king. Absalom is a handsome dude. It says it in the Bible. He's handsome. Uh, and apparently he can lead, well, he can lead really well too. All right? Um, I know this because in 2 Samuel 15, 6, it says... Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And so he stole the hearts of men of Israel. Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. He talked, he lied, he manipulated, he won over a lot of people by not having his dad's back. He eventually convinced a lot of people to go after King David and try to kill him to bring King David down so he could then be king. But because Absalom didn't honor his leader, he didn't have David's back, the person God put in leadership, the outcome was a lot different than David's. We find out Absalom's fate in 2 Samuel 18, 9, which says, Now Absalom happened to meet David's men. He was riding his mule, and as the mule went under the thick branches of the large oak, Absalom's head got caught in the tree. He was left hanging in midair, while the mule he was riding kept on going. That is two very, very different outcomes. One outcome being from the person who served and had the back of his leader versus the outcome from the person who didn't have the back of his leader. Should I change mics? I can do that very easily. Yeah, let's do it.
All right, there you go. Cool. All right. Two different outcomes. One was promoted to king uh, in the Lord's timing, while the others, while the other died hanging from a tree. I just, wow. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, "Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account." Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit. Again, I just, I just love the Bible. It outlines stuff so well for us. This scripture gives clear instructions for us and for the leader to follow, okay? It's not just on the people following. It's also on the leader, all right? It's our responsibility to have confidence in our leaders and submit to them and their leadership. But the leader God puts in front of us has responsibilities as well. And I think it's pretty important responsibilities. Leaders have to watch over, pray for, keep people accountable because one day the leader has to give account for their leadership. If those things would actually happen within the body of Christ, then we wouldn't see people ring the bell and quit following Christ. Let's choose to benefit the kingdom of God and not tear it down. We can do that by having the backs of leaders and honoring them while God has them in place we got to trust God and believe that he has the right people in the right place for the right time. Pray for your leaders. Submit to your leaders. Help your leaders. The third way that I want to talk about having this attitude of I've got your back is by carrying the weight. What do I mean by carrying the weight? So when training happens in the Navy SEALs, that hell week, they will split the guys up into teams. At a particular time, each team will need to grab a boat and the commander will yell out uh, different sequences that they have to do. For instance, he might yell out, pick up your boat, carry your boat out into the water, paddle a certain length, dump the boat, which means everybody has to get out of the boat, and then get back into the boat, paddle back in, and then carry the boat to a certain spot. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. That's just a quick little one there. But this is where uh, winners get a, a little break while the losers of the race will need to do whatever the commander says. So they have to keep working and keep pushing. You could just imagine during that race, a lot of people are tired. Some of them can't carry maybe all the weight that they would be able to if they were at full strength. So what happens during this time? Because they really don't want to see anybody ring that bell. I don't think that's the heart of any of this. <laughs> they don't want to see people ring that bell. So what do they do? Somebody on that team will have to pick up the slack and carry a little more weight than usual. But this is all part of this group of SEALs having each other's backs. There's a story in the Bible about a few guys who literally had to carry the weight of their friends. Mark 2, 3 through 4 says, Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was laying on. So just picture with me for a minute you hear of Jesus who's coming to town, and you know that if you can just get in front of him, you will, will be healed. The only problem is that you can't get there on your own. Can't do it by yourself. So you call four of your buddies up, and you're like, hey, can you carry me to Jesus? And they're like, yeah, sure, we can do that. Then they take the long journey with carrying you. They get you all the way there. They realize, whoa, it's full. I can't get in. Then these four guys have an idea. How about we climb up on the roof? We'll take our buddy with us up on that roof. We'll actually rip this person's roof off. 
First off, hope it's not my house. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I hope it is because Jesus is there then. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, rip the roof off. Then we will lower you down in front of Jesus. First off, how awesome are these four guys? They are the coolest. I mean, you want to talk about having each other's back? These guys didn't ask questions that we know of. They weren't like, yeah, sure, I will, but um, how far is it? Uh, I will, but how much do you weigh? <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. I, I will carry you there, but are you sure you really, can I do something else first and then I will? No, there was no, none of that. They didn't hesitate to carry another human being for who knows how long. They were, they were also not afraid to put in a little bit of work. I mean, this was work. They had to carry all that. They had to get the guy on the house, rip the roof off, and then lower him down. But they were willing to carry that weight of their brother because they had his back. Then look what happens because they were willing to carry the weight of a brother. Mark 2, 11 through 12 says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. All because four guys were willing to take a day off of whatever they had going on and carry the burden of another. Not only was this guy healed, but a whole crowd saw something that maybe they never seen before. Never saw again, maybe. And who knows where this paralyzed man was at mentally. I think of that. Where was this guy at mentally? Maybe he was at his breaking point. Maybe he was ready to go and ring the bell and call it quits. Maybe he was ready just to be done with everything. But because four guys, four friends decided to carry his burden, carry his weight literally and figuratively, this guy was healed and he did not ring the bell. And other people were blessed because of it as well. So here's the big point uh, of, this, uh, of this this morning. And the phrase I want you all to walk out of here with, I got asked before the service, what's your catchphrase? If I had a catchphrase, it'd be this, I've got your back. That's what I want us all to remember. I've got your back. We need to remember what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 27. I'll read it again. While our, our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. I am the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. There are many different uh, people, minds, ideas, opinions in this room right now. What I'm not talking about this morning is that we all have to be the same with the exact same opinion. I'm not talking about that. No, we have, uh, we have different opinions and ideas and thoughts, but we have to have each other's backs. I want to give you one more example before we quit. So Brad, can you come up here before? Uh, this is Brad Money. I don't know if you guys know him or not. If you don't, you should. All right? You got whistles. It's pretty cool. But this is Brad. And, and uh, Brad does actually a lot around here. Um, Brad is a youth leader. Um, you do the uh, pre-service. Um, Brad was on the board here. Brad teaches a class on Wednesday night. He is a great guy. But I want you all to know that Brad is my friend. He's my friend. And I'm his friend, and I'm his pastor. Now, 
I really want to surprise you with something, and this is that Brad and I, we don't always see eye to eye on everything. We've had many discussions about different things with youth, about different things maybe with, with softball or whatever, but we, we have different, uh, sometimes different ideas, all right? Um, I'll give you, I'll, I'll narrow this down. So this year, we, were, uh, we coached the same softball team. It was the winning team, by the way, the championship. Yeah, roll your eyes, Pastor Jared, because we beat you. All right. <laughs> he'll have the week microphone soon, so he'll get me back. But uh, that's not the point. The point is, during this one game, we had a, a, a different opinion on something. I don't, I don't really remember what it was. It might have been, I think we should have been more aggressive. And Brad was like, well, that, you would have got that guy thrown out. And we all know that the demons come out in, in church softball. That's where they all come out. But we had this disagreement, and I think that I might have said, why don't you go coach some other team, you know, just because my competitive nature kicked in, and I was like, go coach another team. And he was like, well, you're not an athlete. <laughs> and I'm like, well, to a point I am. He's like, yeah, whatever, you know. But we had, and, and it wasn't the right time to have that conversation. It, I shouldn't have said that. But, like, the next day he called me. And we had a very good, good discussion. We aired things out. Everything was, was fine. Hey, okay. But what I'm getting to is even during any arguments that we've had or any, um, any disagreements that we've had, <clears throat> I know something about Brad. And that is he always has my back. Always. He's told me that before. And something that Brad knows about me is that I always have his back. And we can disagree on things. We can have different opinions. We can have different thoughts. But you know what? I'm here for him. Because I never, I never, ever, ever want to see Brad ring that bell. I do not ever want to see any of you here go over to that bell and ring it. I don't, I, what I mean by that is I don't want to see any of you guys walk away from Christ. Especially because of some silly argument that maybe we had. Especially because uh, I wasn't uh, submitting to my leader or honoring my leader you know, and if Brad is ever down and he, he needs me to carry, well, figuratively, uh, <laughs> wait, I will do that. <laughs> I asked if I could say that joke. Just calm down. We're friends, all right? <laughs> I will, though, and I know that about him, and I think the body of Christ needs to act like that. We need to do that. We need to have support of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should have that tight-knit brotherhood, that tight-knit uh, sisterhood, whatever, um, like the Navy SEALs. Nothing is going to shake them because they have each other's back. And that's really what I want to leave you with tonight, today, is to let's have each other's back in this. And if that means that we have to use that cover and move method where uh, we prefer others above ourselves, let's do that all the time. We need to honor leadership, and we need to carry the weight of each other. Just be there for each other, all right? Let's make sure that we don't ever see our brothers and sisters in Christ ring that bell and walk away, all right? I'm going to have Brad pray, and then um, we'll see you all on Wednesday. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray this morning, and we just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, uh, to come together and serve you. Thank you for giving these words to Pastor Donnie, and I pray that this week we would all look for opportunities that we might lift someone else up, Lord, that we might put someone else before ourselves. It's just in little moments where we feel like we 
the kids are loud or I don't want to clean the house or I don't want to make dinner, Lord, that we don't ring that bell, that we serve you and we use that to glorify someone else, Lord, that we serve someone else in our time of weakness and that we would continue to grow and, and be strong in your presence. Thank you for the team that you've assembled here to deliver your messages every single Sunday. We're so grateful, Lord, to just serve you and be in your presence. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.